All right, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 22 to verse 34. Matthew 6, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for the body, what ye shall put on. It's not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So the title of the message tonight is Keeping Our Focus. Keeping Our Focus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have to open your precious word. I pray that as we look into the word of God tonight, that we'd be encouraged and challenged to strengthen and to walk with you. Might you be glorified and might we be helped. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So keeping your focus, you know, the Matthew 5, 6, and 7, of course, referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, One preacher heard describe it as um, being in discipleship class with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord here gives a lot of instructions concerning the kingdom of God. And, of course, this is fairly early in Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 3, he was baptized, and 4, he was tempted. Then he chooses his disciples, you know, Peter, James, Andrew, James and John. They leave their fishing nets and follow him. That's their livelihood. They've left their livelihoods and followed him. Uh, Matthew leaves the tax collector's booth and follows him. Uh, And, of course, others left their livelihoods to follow him. And so he goes about preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, he turns water into wine. He, uh, John chapter 2, he cleanses the temple in John chapter 2. John 4, he meets the woman at the well at Samaria, and he, and he, and he makes this statement, might meet is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Of course, he heals the sick, he casts out devils, uh, and, and, you know, at, at, at Capernaum, uh, he casts out demons, 
You know, some of these things that Jesus did, of course, give it evidence that he is the Son of God and demonstrates that he has power over the elements, over all things, over all of creation. He has power. That it is, it submits to his authority. Uh, you know, you think about creation, he changed water to wine. So really, he changed something that was liquid to something that was came from something solid. Uh, from a mineral to a, um, what's the word I want? Uh, huh? To a vegetable, yeah. Uh, you know, has it man ever done that? Only God can do those sort of things. He can, he can direct fish into a net. I'd like to go fishing with him. I never have very good luck fishing. You know, I, I need him to go fishing with me. Because uh, when I go fishing, I want to catch fish. Because I want to have fish to eat. You know, I, I'm not one of these guys like Daniel, can fish all day, just catch and release, catch and release, and have fun. No, I want something to take home to fry up, you know. Uh, and, but he can direct fish in the net, into a net. Uh, he can he can heal the sick, cleanse the leper, make the blind to see, the lame to walk, and forgive sin and raise the dead. You know this is this is Almighty God. Only God can do these things. And the disciples, you know, of course, I'm sure they were wowed by all this that they are seeing. And, and you know, one, at one point they said that never, the Bible says they said of him, never a man spake like this man. However, with all that in mind, it seems they're losing their focus when we come to chapter 6 and verse 25, verses 22 to 34. Now, you know, the Bible doesn't say that, you know, they were questioning things, but 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 the implications here is, and the instruction that Jesus is giving them is, look, you don't need to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear. What you need to be concerned about is your relationship with me. That's what you need to be concerned about. You know, three times in this passage, it says, take no thought, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, yet for the body, what you shall put on. It's not the life more than meat and the body and raiment. Again, verse 31, take therefore no thought. And it's basically the same thing. And then verse 34, take therefore no thought for the mark. You see, as we you know, heard in Sunday school class this morning, we tend to, to focus on the things that we can see with our eyes. And the Lord's here trying to instruct his disciples, look, there's more to life than what you see with their eyes. But many times what we see with our eyes distracts us from our purpose and mission in life as God's children. For example, look at, look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verses, uh, I think it's 4 and 5. Acts chapter 1. And verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, 
commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, we know that the reason he told them to wait was to be endued with power. For what purpose? Well, he had already told them that you're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But before you do that, you need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to go with you, to empower you. And, of course, he had taught them that in the gospels. And he'd given them commandments, uh, you know, and of course that was in the Great Commission. So he's instructing them concerning what their responsibility is when he's taken up, because he's going to be taken up here just a little bit. And, and then in verse 6 it says, And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now he had told them what their responsibilities were. What their mission in life was. They were to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things. So he taught them about the kingdom. How to, how to win people to the Lord. How to disciple them. And that was what their mission was. Do you know what they're still concerned about? This kingdom that they can see. The kingdom restored Israel. That's going to be a visible kingdom. It's still yet to come. It's a promise that God gave in the Old Testament. But they're concerned about that. You know, he has told them, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. And they're thinking, it's almost like they didn't hear. But they're distracted by, from their mission and their concentration on what God has, the Lord has commanded them to do, they're distracted by um, this kingdom that we want to see. And Jesus says to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Here again, here's what your responsibility is. You're not, you're, you, you know, God hasn't given it to you to know when the kingdom of Israel is going to come. What he has given you to know is you're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, see, they were, they, they were losing their focus, they were being distracted. You know, doesn't it, doesn't it, it's human nature, I don't know about you, but sometimes it bothers me, and it shouldn't bother me. Bother isn't a good term, but, but I get easily distracted by the things that, that, that I see in the world, that, you know, we think maybe are gonna happen, or, it, or the end of the age may be coming, or the Lord's return, and, and we can get caught up in all this stuff, and we forget about what we're really here for. You know, somebody could start talking about the selection fraud. And, and, and we forget about, you know, I should witness to this person. That's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. You know, the, the election, as far as eternity is concerned, isn't going to really change much. But whether that person spends eternity in heaven or hell is a great importance. And so we need to keep our focus. You know, we can get caught up in the things and the cares of this life that we forget about. See, we need to, we need to, we, and I want to notice three things there. First of all, the cause of concern or cause of worry, if you want to call it that, is losing our focus in verses 22 and 23, he says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. 
But if the eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that light? Now they tell us that there's millions of rays of light come into the eye, you know, at one time, and they hit the lens of the eye, and they go to it goes to the retina, which goes to the optical nerve, and and, and which which translates to the brain. And again, I, I'm just telling you what I read, and and which processes all that, and and then we see it. But you know, if your if your eye is not clear, if you get if you get stigmatism or something on your eye or cataract, you know, or film on that lens of your eye. The rays of light hit that eye and it splatters. And then your brain cannot see clearly what you should see. The signals are unclear. And see, the disciples here, I don't believe, were were seeing clearly. They were concerned about some things that's evident. That's why Jesus said three times, take no thought, about the cares of this life. Now, understand something. Put yourself in their place. Now, we have, we have instructions in the Bible about how a pastor is to be provided for. They didn't have that yet. The only thing they had was a pattern in the Old Testament of how the priests would be cared for. But there was nothing written down in the New Testament about that. And this is the first church, and it really doesn't have a location. They're still traveling. You know, they're still, they're still, they're still planting this. So this is a transitional time. And so, you know, they're going about throughout the nation of Israel preaching the gospel, and people are giving to and providing for the thing. We know that they had a treasure. Judas bare the bag, or he carried the bag, and, and he bared what was put therein. In other words, he helped himself to it as well. But so they know they had a treasure. And, and so these disciples, again, they had left Peter and Peter and Andrew had left their fishing. James and John had left their fishing with nets with their father. Uh, Matthew had left the tax collector's booth. He was no longer collecting taxes. So that was their sources of income. They left all that to follow Jesus. So, you know, you could picture Peter saying to John one day, did you get a paycheck this week? Do you have enough money to provide for your family? Now, we don't know if all of them have family, but we do know that Peter had a mother-in-law, and you wouldn't have a mother, a wife with, you know, you wouldn't have a mother-in-law if you didn't get a wife out of it. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure he had a, they had families, these men, and so they had cares of things that they needed, uh, <clears throat> and so they could be concerned about these things. In fact, Jesus himself said the. The birds of the air have nests, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So it was kind of evident to me that they didn't have excess of things, but we don't read anywhere where they lacked anything. But it came, it was a day-by-day thing, learning to trust God, keeping their focus on the Lord and not on the things of this old world. You know, this isn't talking about not having responsibilities. Again, these men had families. But they were not to be worrying about what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink, or what they were going to wear, because he says, your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of those things. In Matthew chapter 10, and 
verses 25 through 31. It says, It is enough for the disciple that he be as he be as his master and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of this household? Fear not them, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a father, farling, a far, far thing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And so we need to rest in the care of our Father, our Heavenly Father. So the cause of, the, cause of their worry is they loosen their focus. The futility of worry, you know, worry or, or being concerned about these things is worthless. It's useless. And, and so he gives them three examples of this in this passage, examples of the futility of worry, the fact that it's vain, it's, it's, it's worthless, it's useless. Uh, first, he, he talks about the birds. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your, your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You know, your heavenly Father takes care of the birds, and they don't even sow. They don't reap. They don't store up. You know, I've often wondered, how some birds survive the winter? But they seem to. There's always birds. The Bible says here the Heavenly Father feeds them. And, and, and he says, how, are ye not much better than they? You know, Matthew 10, 29, everyone said that not a sparrow falls to the ground without your heavenly Father. In other words, the heavenly Father sees it. He knows it. Uh, he talks about height or length of life in verse uh, uh, 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? So, you know, if you think really positive that you can grow a few inches or... Um, or lengthen your life? Well, we understand in the Bible that, that our lives is in the hands of God. Uh, or we can determine our, determine our lives. You know, that's not something that's in our power to do. Uh, we can plan. We can work for you know to eat healthier. To you know, I think some people have this idea. You know, if you look at watch some people on the internet and different things. Um, People try and do that they that they think that if they eat exactly right, they're going to just continue living on forever and ever. Well, uh, no, that's not going to happen. Now, you may prolong your life if you eat healthier. That's a very good possibility. But, uh, you know, life is in the hand of God, and we can't we can't we can't extend it or 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 make ourselves uh, bigger or whatever. Because we just think we can. No. We can't add to that. Or consider the lilies. Verses 28 through 30. Why take ye thought for the raiment? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know, the lilies refers to the day lilies. They're beautiful flowers for one day. For one day. Only one day. They come up in the morning, they perish in the night, and then they're gathered and burned. And, and he says, if in God clothes the field for a day, just to show his handiwork, to be a testimony to him, how much more shall he clothe ye, O ye of little faith? So worry is futile. Somebody said this, quote, when you were, you are just paying interest on nothing, unquote. Nothing. The cure for worry. You know, all these things are distractions. And, and the, the devil loves to distract us from, from our, our focus, and, and we must not be distracted. We see the cure for the worry is in verses 25 and 26. It says, uh, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor what yet for the body, what you shall pawn, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And then again in verse 31, take there, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first kingdom of God in, all his, in his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the Bible tells us here that we need, he calls God our Father in this passage in chapter 6 12 times. 12 times. Verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. Verse 4. Thine al- that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Verse 6. Two times. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly, and so on. So twelve times in this chapter, he calls, he refers to God as our Father. And the responsibility of a father is, is to provide. You know, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, if any provide not for his house, he's worse than an infidel. He's a low life. He's of no account if he doesn't provide for his house. It's the responsibility of a father to provide. And God's, what God is telling us here is, look, I will provide for you. You just keep your focus on me. Don't be distracted by what's going on out there in the world. You know, there's a lot of things that are going on out there in the world that are just distractions. Not just distractions to distract us. You look at the political world. There's lots of things that go on just to distract from things that should be prosecuted. The impeachment, I think, was just a distraction from something more sinister that's going on. 
You see, but we need, as God's people, we need to trust in our Father's care. We need to keep our focus on the mission He has given us. The mission He has given us. And not be distracted away from that mandate is to take the gospel into all the world. You know, COVID-19. It's a distraction. It's a distraction. Call me conspiracy theorist all you want to. I really don't care. It's a distraction. I think the evidence is very plain. You know, and the world uses these kind of things constantly. You know, when... when uh, the Allies were going to invade Normandy, try and take France back. Uh, they, they did a distraction to throw off the Nazis. Uh, they had a very sophisticated hoax that fooled the Nazis and laid the groundwork for the success at Normandy. And it was still a difficult battle, but they, they for, they for years in advance to the actual uh, uh, invasion of Normandy began uh, enacting uh, all this fake military movements to fool the Nazis. It was called Operation Bodyguard. That was the code name for it. And they made faulty strategic dispositions in relation to operations by the Allies against Germany. They uh, they uh, uh, they had dozens of German spies in Britain who had been discovered and arrested, and they flipped by British intelligence officers. And those allies spoon-fed reams of faulty information to the Nazis, double agents, to pass along to Berlin. And if, an example: a pair of those double agents were nicknamed Mutt and Jeff, and they, and they relayed detailed detailed reports about fictitious. British Fourth Army that was amassing in Scotland with the plans of invading Norway. What was that? It was a distraction. They fabricated radio chatter about cold weather issues, you know, so that try and think, let the Germans think that they really were in Scotland, you know, and getting ready to invade Norway in the winter, you know, there were ski bindings and, and talking about tank engines running in sub-zero temperatures and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it worked so well that Hitler sent one of his fighting divisions to Scandinavia just weeks before D-Day. You know, and, and we could go on and on about all the things that they did. Um, they, had, they gave an appearance of massive troop buildup in southeast England and uh, a phantom fighting force. It was headed by George Patton, by the way, who the Germans figured would be the logical man whom they feared the most of the generals to lead the the fight. See, all this was a distraction to draw the Germans away from Normandy where the actual attack was going to take place. And you know, the devil wants to get us distracted with all these cares of life that we are that are that are encroaching us in this world. And you know, and 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 I talked to other people. You know, I was talking to a family member just this past week, and she was talking about some of the other family members, and and they're so they're so distraught, and they're so overwhelmed with with this coronavirus thing and all this stuff that 
Mom's afraid to go out of their house. There is a cure for all of that. We need to simply, but purposefully, continue to trust in our Heavenly Father. That's the cure. God is our Father. And see, God is saying here to us, look, don't worry about this. I got it. You just be faithful. You just be faithful. You know, he is a sovereign God. It is he that created the universe. It is by him that it consists, that it's held together. You know, Colossians chapter 1 and verses uh, 15 and 16, Colossians 1, 15 and 16, it's, Paul wrote to the church of Colossians, and he says this, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things are created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So he has made everything that we can see and everything that we can't see, and it was made for him, and he has power over all these things, and it's by him that all these things consist or continue to be held together, like glued together. You know, you ever wonder if you study science and the world spinning on its axis and then the plants going around the sun, what keeps everything? Why doesn't things fly off the earth? What keeps it? What will you say? It's gravity. No. Who's the power source of gravity? It's God. God keeps all this, all this running. And so the cure is we just continue to trust in Him. You know, sometimes we can get focused on the things that we see. You know, He was telling the disciples here, look, don't get focused on the food or the drink or the clothing. He said, you need to focus on God who provides the food. God who provides the clothing. God who provides the work. God who provides for your needs. That's what we need to focus on. Oliver Green said, quote, Anxieties are the fruits of unbelief. And unbelief is is an insult to Almighty God. Unquote. You know, the children of Israel lost the victory. They lost the possession of Canaan land, the land that flows with milk and honey. You know why? Unbelief. They said, we can't. What they're really saying is, God, you can't. And God said, okay, you won't get it. I'll take your children in. I'll take your children in. Why? Because they didn't believe or they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him to provide the victory that they needed. You know, in times like these, we can be easily focused, become focused on the temporal and forget the eternal. We can become distracted by the things that we see that forget the responsibility that God has given us. We're to be a witness for Him. 
You know, we must not be distracted from our mission, from our mandate. God is still our God. God is the one who, who, who holds all things together. And we must continue to be a witness and a testimony for him to a lost and dying world. Now, that does not mean, you know, some people have this idea, well, we'll, uh, then I don't have to do anything. You know, God gives us instruction how we provide for us, how, how we are to provide for our own house. Again, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> These, this is this is part of being entrusting or or trusting God. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which we have received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power. But to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us, for even when we were yet, we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some among, which walk among you, disorderly working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And so, you know, God commands us. He, by the way, He's the one who provides us the power to get wealth. In other words, to earn a living. And He commands us to work, to earn, to provide for our own house. But it's He that gives us the power to do that. The Thessalonian believers here, evidently they were thinking the Lord's going to come so I don't have to work because the Lord's coming. He's going to take care of me. No. No, Paul said no. Again, you know what your, what your, your concern is then, like the disciples, are you going to set up the kingdom right now? You know, if you're going to set up the kingdom right now, why would I need to work? See, we need to, we need to keep our focus. Go back to Acts chapter 1 again. Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> Verse 2. Verse 1 and 2. The former treatise have I made oath the office of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So he had given them commandments or instructions of what they were to do. You know, in, in those instructions he gave very little things. He, he, he hardly spoke about when Israel would be restored, the kingdom would be restored. He didn't speak about that. Because that was not their responsibility. You know, some people have this idea that we are, you know, you've heard of kingdom theology, where we're going we're gonna to work in this world and bring about a, a theocratic-like state and 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 make things better in the world where then Jesus is going back and rule over that. No, the Bible doesn't teach that, of course. The Bible says things are going to wax worse and worse in the last days. See, the kingdom of Israel is something that God is going to set up. 
not us. Our responsibility is to be a witness to the lost, to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what he's instructing his disciples here. In verse 4, he says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Of course, that would be the filling of the Holy Spirit, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then, you really, if you're going to continue on what he's commanded them, you'd admit verses 6 and 7. Because 6 and 7 really has nothing to do with what he's commanded them. It's a distraction they bring up. What he's commanded them to do is, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the othermost part of the earth. You see, though all the circumstances in the world continue to change, You know, with all the restrictions and the lockdowns and all this, God hasn't released us from our responsibility to witness to the lost. That's still our mandate. Missions is still our mandate, whether it's here. You know, missions is missions. You know, some people talk about, you know, trying to divide missions into foreign and, and, and home, but, but, you know, missions is is reaching people with the gospel. That's our mandate. We're here to be a witness and a testimony for him. It's not for us to determine when the Lord is coming. In fact, you know what it means to when he says to watch and be ready? He says, who then is a wise and faithful steward? You know, a wise and faithful steward, steward talks, a stewardship talks about being managing the responsibilities that he has given us and the responsibilities he has given us is to take the gospel into the world. So the person that's watching is not going around worrying about is the Lord coming soon or is the world coming to an end or this or that. You know, I'm not saying we ought to close our eyes to all these things, but that's not our focus. Our focus is to be faithful to give out the gospel. That's what we need to be concerned about. That's what, you know, it's so easy. I catch myself. And I have to guard myself. You know, I can put a lot of time into researching and looking up things and, you know, looking at reading emails from, you know, conservative news sites. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with reading some emails and keeping yourself informed. But, you know, you can put a lot of time in that. And it becomes, it, it, it can consume your mind that that's all you think about. And when you see somebody and have an opportunity to witness, you don't think about witnessing because your mind is consumed with the cares of this life. So what we have to do is, we have to make a concentrated effort not to allow all these cares and these distractions that are important as Americans, but they are not the most important thing to us as Christians.
know, I've had some good conversations with people about my Trump sign in the yard. But I've also had opportunity to have some conversations about the Lord in their lives. But, you know, I have to stop and think about that. Because I can be quickly distracted if somebody brings up about my Trump sign. Because I'm very adamant about that. In case you hadn't noticed. I'm quite patriotic, you know. But you know what? I have to remind myself that's not the most important responsibility I have here in this world. But I can easily be distracted. So might the Lord help us to keep our focus even in these troublesome times that we're in. And they are. They, if, if, we would fo- if we focus on these things, we are going to worry. And we can worry ourselves silly. We need to keep our focus on the Lord, trusting in Him, relying on Him, and allowing Him to continue to use us to fulfill the responsibility that He has given us.